Welcome to the Life of a Gentleman podcast, the number one podcast that motivates you to be your best with conversations about business, fashion, and living the gentleman's lifestyle. We interview the hottest influencers, content creators, and business owners so you get the inside story. We'll also discuss entrepreneurship and inspire you to chase after your dreams. Whether you're looking to advance your career, increase your style, or just discover the best new products, you're in the right place. And ladies, we know you're listening. This show isn't just for the fellas. It's about living your best life. And now, here's your host, award-winning author, entrepreneur, and modern-day gentleman, Richard Taylor. Hey, Rich, let's start the show. Thank you for that introduction, and guys, welcome back to another episode of The Life of a Gentleman. So glad you could join us, and today's show is a very powerful show because we have two special guests that you're really going to enjoy. Now more than ever, we have to promote our fellow Black-owned businesses because we have to come together and support those that are really trying to make positive waves in our community. And so today's show, I have the opportunity to interview somebody who's doing that with his own watch brand. I've had the opportunity to interview in the past, and this is just an update about three, four years later and happy to say he's still in business, still thriving, and he shares his experience with us today. But not only that, encouragement and some tips for others that are trying to start and grow their brand, which is so important. It's good that we don't just hoard all this knowledge ourselves, but actually share it with the community and inspire other people to do the exact same thing. So you'll be hearing from Mr. Randy Williams of Tally and Twine. Also, on this episode, we talk to Sir Michael Wayne. Now, you may follow him on Instagram and you'll find out exactly why you should be following him if you're not already. And he gives his perspective on style, fashion, being black in America, and also what he's doing personally to push forward. And I think you'll find that insightful as well. Today's show, as I mentioned, is a great one. I'm telling you right now, these interviews will really give you not only just inspiration, it will actually give you actionable items that you can do to make your life a little bit better, especially if you have visions or dreams of being an entrepreneur. We're really going to help you on this week's episode. So before we get started, I have to shout out the sponsor. You know that. Harrison Blake Apparel. Come see us for your custom suits. Now, your custom shoes. And we have a promotion for you. If you order a custom suit with us, you get a free custom shirt. Or if you order two custom suits For the months of June or July, two custom suits, you get a free pair of custom shoes, 100% handmade. If you're interested in that, simply get in touch at wear lapel pins on Instagram or contact at harrisonblakeapparel.com and we will be happy to help you out. Enough about that, guys. Let's dive into the show. I'm very excited that you're here for this journey and listening. Buckle up, get a pen and pad out. Let's get started. Now it's time for the Entrepreneur Spotlight. Real professionals, real business owners, and entrepreneurs drop in and drop jewels on us. Looking to learn from others that have done it? Ready to get your business really rolling? Sit back and buckle up. Our experts are ready to inspire. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to another interview session during the podcast. And man, I've said this over and over. This is my favorite part of the show because you get to meet entrepreneurs that are really doing amazing things. And today's guest, he's been on in the past, but that was way at the beginning. You guys will have to go digging in the archives to find this, but you are going to love this interview with Randy Williams from Tally and Twine. You will find out exactly what that is if you don't already know. Randy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to catching up with you. Yeah, it's been a little bit of time. And man, over the the few years that it's been, your brand has really just taken off and skyrocketed. Uh, For those that don't know, 
I'll let you just go ahead and introduce yourself, what it is you do and what your product is all about. And then I'll sing a little more of your praises, but go ahead. Yeah, well, Italian Twine is a watches and accessories company based in Portsmouth, Virginia. We're direct to consumer. Um, started doing that when everybody was begging us to get into retail stores. <laughs> but I, I stuck with my uh, my game plan. And uh, in November, we turned five years old. Um, and we are the foremost culture-focused watch company in the world. I like that. I like how you put that, man. And and you know what? That's congratulations first off for hitting the five year mark. There's a lot of businesses don't make it to the one year mark. You know what I mean? So um hats off to you right there. Appreciate it. Now you know what? Um I wanted to have you on because as you mentioned, been in business five years, a lot of growth. You had a plan, you had a vision for your business. And the people that listen to this podcast, a lot of them are just starting out and they need a little help. And that is how to grow a brand. So I'd love for you to run down a little bit of advice as we go through this conversation and try to give a little bit of your knowledge, share your experience, some do's and don'ts. But I want to ask just right out the gate, what's been the biggest contributing factor to actually building a brand? Because when you start, it's... A lot of people, it's just a side hustle, but you've really turned it into a solidified brand that people can know and respect. How did you do that? What's what's the number one thing? The number one thing um, for building a brand, in my opinion, is having a long-term focus. Early on, I think probably about year two, I called this, uh, this entrepreneur who had started a shoe company. It's now defunct, but him and his brother had started a shoe company. It was a million-dollar shoe company. And one of the first things he said to me, I mean, I paid to have this conversation with him. And one of the first things he said to me is like, it takes um, three to five years to build a brand. So don't get in here thinking that in year one or two, your brand is established and you can start doing all of this wild and crazy stuff. People know who you are. Um, and that stuck with me. So that immediately created this long-term focus for me to say, hey, okay, I could do something today right now that will make a little bit of money. But sometimes, and many, most of the times, I have to sacrifice that short-term gain to adhere to the long-term vision of where I want the brand to be. So I, see, I would say that's the number one thing, man, having a long-term focus. Yeah, I like that. People want it fast and it doesn't always work that way. I like three to five years to to establish a brand. Also notice that Randy said he paid to have that conversation. I've been talking about that on the podcast, investing into your business, whether it's, you know, expanding your knowledge or a product base. But in this case, knowledge would you say that that's wise for other people to do as well? Maybe work with someone to get the skills or the ins and outs of a business, you know, working with a guru or coach or whatever the case may be? Yeah, most definitely. I would say information and working with somebody is, is key to avoiding uh, many of the pitfalls that most businesses face. And the good thing is a good 80% of information is free on the internet you can access it if mm. you have the time to comb through it <laughs> so not only do you have to comb through all of the information that's available but you then you got to weed it out on who's actually telling you the right thing that's going to work for you uh, so I, whenever it's possible and whenever it's within my means I always like to go to people who have a proven track record that I can see it's not some mystery business or not some coach who's coaching me who's never owned a business before, but they somehow are the world's best business coach and got all these followers. I only want to talk to people who've been in the trenches before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do believe in investing heavily in doing so. I like that. I'm the exact same way. I'm always, you know, I don't knock it what anybody does, but, you know, when I work with a coach or when I work with somebody, I'm like you. I want them to be doing something similar to what I've done or at least have a track record of 
proven success in being in business, not just telling you theory, but you know, I want I, I want stories of well, what really happened and, and and like you said, avoiding pitfalls, man. That's a great way. Um, somebody put it like this to me. They said working with a coach is like finding a cheat code on a video game. You know, just find a warp zone. You go somewhere else quick um, when you work with somebody. And I, I like that. I liked how you put that. Yeah, and I um I see a lot of people paying for coaching and stuff. And I, I'm always amazed that they pay thousands of dollars to people whose only business is coaching. Right? <laughs> yeah. I just don't get it. I just for the life of me don't understand. It's not to say don't have good advice, but I just, I would never do that. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. So, you know, guys, be willing to invest, but, you know, be wise about who you're working with out there. Now, uh, one thing I noticed with your business, and, you know, I don't know if this is a contributing factor to growth, but I feel like it is uh, as a business owner myself, some things I've done. But one thing I see that you do that I really like is your advertising. Um, a lot of people when they have a small business, they don't advertise. They don't spend those ad dollars. Um, I think it pays off. What's been the result for you? I, it must work because I see you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I learned again. That was part of my overall strategy. But I learned early on that if I wanted to get in front of people, I was gonna have to spend money. And but back in the good old days of social media advertising, um or social media, we had this thing called organic reach. Yeah. And I'm sure you've noticed that that's just dramatically declined more and more each year. <laughs> because, um, you know, starting probably when, um, well, when, when Facebook started selling ads. Yep. You know, used to be able to create this Facebook page, get people to like it. It was like your own little audience. And, you know, you could just grow and sell things on there, but it doesn't work like that anymore. So I learned that early on, I was going to have to pay for these ads. But I also knew that it was still cheaper than any other form of advertising. And I could reach more targeted people than any other form of advertising as well. So it was a no-brainer to me because, you know, I spend a dollar on an ad and make three. It's simple math. You know, I can do that till the cows come home. You know, that <laughs> it works. So as long as I can see and track how much I'm spending versus how much I'm making and it's working, it's positive net outcome, you know, it's a no-brainer. I think more people should do it. You got to look at the ads, though, like an investment. I mean, most people are so terrified that they're spending money, but they haven't made any. When in actuality, that's what's stopping them from making it because nobody is going to notice you or see you unless you get in front of them first with the product. And um, unfortunately, for that first month or so, first two or three months, maybe even the first year, you might not be doing it the best because you got to kind of learn the ropes. You know, you got to kind of learn what tactics work the, work the best. And you also got to see if your product is actually worth buying, if anybody's actually interested. And so during that period, that's when a lot of businesses kind of give up on that because they see that money is going out but not coming in. Great point. Yeah, I like that. And and you're right. It's simple math when you really look at it. I mean, this they always say you have to spend money to make money. I mean, it makes sense. It's just perfect. Goes hand in hand with that. Over the years, though, I mean, there's had to be some kind of adversity. So we don't want to paint this perfect picture as, you know, everything just went smooth. I mean, you, you made it through five years. There had to be some challenges along the way. Just curious, um, what would be your toughest challenge that you faced? I actually just made a video about this on my personal Instagram page about how important those challenges are to the growth of your business and the fact that we should just embrace those challenges because they are just par for the course. It's just, you expect that, especially as a business owner, entrepreneur, that's what we do. We solve problems. So problems are going to come up, but it's your responsibility as an entrepreneur to uh, respond to that accordingly and figure out a way to get over that hurdle. Um, I think the biggest challenge I faced with Tally and Twine was probably early on when I was still working at 9 to 5 and um, I got fired or downsized. Uh, my wife was five months pregnant. Wow. And uh, <laughs> Tally and Twine wasn't making enough money to, to replace my income from my job. So 
we had, you know, just her income coming in. And we still had bills coming in, but my, my job just ended abruptly. So it just forced me to take Tally Twine seriously and try to create that full-time stream of income for us. Uh, but I was kind of under the gun, you know, with all those other factors going on. And, you know, my wife is very, very risk-averse. So she's like, hey, <laughs> oh, yeah. start looking for a job. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's going on? You know, I had to lay down a... a a plan with her we had some savings luckily we don't have a lot of bills so we didn't have a lot of consumer debt or crazy credit cards or anything like that or car payments and so I was able to lay out three month plan for her like hey this is how we get through the next three months and after that let's talk to reevaluate where we are if we're not looking too good you know I'll go and get a job and so we just did that every 90 days you know until we were able to see that, hey, this is, we're on to something. You know what I'm saying? Let's just tighten down the hatches and, uh, you know, let's cut our spending and just see where the talent fine thing can take us. Man, that's beautiful. And the fact that you said you had plans, you had goals, you guys were writing these things down, checking them, putting it on paper or spreadsheet, whatever the case may be. That is so underrated. A lot of entrepreneurs don't do that. They don't go back you know, first off, people don't write down their goals to see what they're trying to hit, and you're gonna hit nothing. Um, number two, people don't go back and check. So, how important is that for entrepreneurs to be organized? You know, with setting up their business. I mean, it sounds like that's been one of the reasons why you've had success is organization skills. Yeah, it's super important because what I learned is that the stuff that makes us successful is the really boring stuff, the mundane. <laughs> yeah. That, but as entrepreneurs, we have shiny object syndrome. And we want to go out and chase every new idea and every shiny thing. We want to focus on the flashy stuff because that's what gets us excited. Like myself, like I love the marketing aspect, the creative aspect. But unless I make sure my books are balanced, I still got to look at my financials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still got to look at my ads to see if they're making money. You know, to see if my business is on track. So my suggestion to entrepreneurs is to, you know, learn as much about that stuff as you can. But as soon as you're able to find help uh, from people in those areas that can um, do that stuff for you. So somebody, you know, you might have to contract with the virtual assistant to keep you on track as far as spreadsheets, and emails and administrators. Mm -hmm. stuff hire a bookkeeper, et cetera, CPA, you know, surround yourself with people who can do those things well, especially those things that you don't like to do or that are energy draining for you. But the practical stuff is really what keeps you on track and makes you successful. Yeah, that's a good point. I've had the opportunity to do that, you know, work with virtual assistants and things like that. Definitely hire a CPA. Um, you don't want to really ta tackle those taxes by yourself. Um <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, the, the first year um, we had to pay the CPA, you know, me and my wife, we, you know, sat down with them and uh, man, you know, the bill is the bill hits different, you know, trust me. But yeah, yeah. but they take care of you. They, you make sure everything's done right. It's no funny business with the IRS. You guys do not want to play around with that. So uh, make, you know, we've been saying a, a lot through this interview, you know, make some investments. But really, it's the, those are the things that's going to move your business forward, I would say. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> now, at the beginning of the interview, you talked about, I, I can't remember the exact term, but your company, uh, I believe it's something about culture focused, sounded like you had a certain niche. Um, can, can you refresh my memory on that? Just I say we're the most culture focused watch company in the world. Okay, what does that mean? Let, let the people know, because this is a learning lesson right here. Well, I think one of the reasons I started Italian Twine was because Every watch company was doing the same thing, advertising the same way, uh, copying designs from each other, <laughs> and just slapping a different logo on. And also, me being a marketing guy, man, that it really bothered me that I never saw anybody in those ads that looked like me. And out of all the household name, uh, household brand watch companies that you can name, None of them had people that looked like me in their ads, yet they were getting shouted out in rap songs, and everybody wanted to have one on their wrist, 
And I was saying to myself, like, man, these companies don't respect us enough to even try to advertise to us. But we still beat their door down to buy their product. And um, I wanted to do something about that. So not only do I want to create a design that was uh, unique and something that could have its own uh, unique look to it and would be recognizable, but I also wanted to create ads and create a company culture that spoke to a different type of consumer. I love that. And, and you know what? You're right. 100% right. People will beat the doors down to get, you know, what's shouted out in popular culture and, you know, hip-hop culture, whatever the case may be. But, man, you in your own lane. And I'm telling you guys right now, if you haven't checked out these watches, I mean, it's on par or above, you know, what anything you're used to. I'm telling you, what. let them know what makes these watches so different, like the look of them. Um, well, one of the reasons, like, we were one of the, the first people to um, remove the numbers from the watch. Mm. So we don't have any 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 numbers on our watch except seven. Um, so we have only the number seven on our watch. The number seven represents completion. It's a reminder to finish what you start. And um, I added that because, you know, as entrepreneurs, we have all these ideas. And you know, most of the time, we don't follow through on them. And when I started Italian Twine, I said I was going to follow through on this. I thought this was something that was going to be really, really big. And I was just going to see it through to the end, even, if, even though I didn't know how I was going to get there initially. So I just did it step by step. Man. Um, in addition to that, we added details like body engraving. We add three-dimensional indices on the face. Um, and, and just a really clean look uh, for both men and women. And we have some, like, really special design uh Bands for the women's watches, the women's leather watches as well. So we just try to make something that when people see it on your wrist, they're able to recognize it without having to ask you what type of watch it is. That was our whole goal in the beginning. Yeah, you know what? It's it's funny. I've seen the designs and stuff, and uh, the thing with the seven, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But as soon as you said it, I'm like, that's it. That makes it different, man. Um, you guys, you guys got to go on their Instagram page, go to their website, check it out. I mean, you're going to love what you see. I'm telling you right now. And the other thing that I want to say, I got a homework assignment for him, Randy, if that's cool with you. Okay. All right. In our first interview, we talked about how you came up with the name Tally and Twine. I still remember how you came up with that. That was, that was a dope story right there. So, guys, go back and the archives and... It's like one of the first 10 to 20 episodes. I don't have it right here, but it'll be in the show notes. I'm going to link to it, you guys. So go check out that first episode and find out how we came up with the idea for the name behind Tally and Twine. That was a great story too. Now, before we close out though, Randy, I got to ask one last question. I ask a lot of entrepreneurs that come on and I always preface it by saying, don't, don't just give them the cliche answer. Give them something they actually can do. They're the number one piece of advice you would give for the entrepreneur that's just getting started and feeling a little bit of frustration? Hmm. Um, I spoke in, um, in Williamsburg, uh, Virginia a few months ago about this subject. And I think what, what people don't realize is, like for example, let's take, let's take LeBron James, right? Or any NBA player. Mm -hmm. Do you realize how many years they've been playing basketball? We talked about, you can go to the guy at the end of the bench that nobody knows. He's been playing since he was seven against the best competition in the world. <laughs> That's true. Think about that. That's true. He's been playing against the best competition every year just to be the least talented guy on the bench, right? That being said, entrepreneurs, especially new entrepreneurs, have to give themselves enough time to learn the game, to become proficient in entrepreneurship and business because it doesn't happen overnight. You know, even though we see these stories about people starting a business and making millions overnight, most of the time that doesn't happen. And I'm talking about even for the billionaires that you can name, you know, not many years uh, Jeff Bezos was 
in the office with that <laughs> that handwritten sign. <laughs> yeah. Try to get people to buy books online when they thought he was crazy. So you have to give yourself enough time to become proficient in what it is that you're doing and to grow your business. And that's the biggest thing I see. We take failed businesses and uh, disappointments as lost. Really, it's just a learning experience. That's required. That's just the, the rite of passage for an entrepreneur. Uh, you're going to do some things that don't work, but through it all, just keep in mind that the great thing is you're getting paid to learn how to do this stuff. Man, I love that. It, it does. It takes time. It takes effort, energy. And and like you said at the beginning, you know, having that vision of where I could be, you know, five, ten years from now, hold that out in front of you and realize, you know what, it's going to take some time, but you can get there. And if you fail, like you said, I like that. It's all right. It's all right to fail, man. I've, I've had so many failed businesses. I could go on and on. Y'all be sitting here laughing at some of the ideas I came up with. I, and I, I'm, I, I, <laughs> I tried everything. Multi-level marketing. I'm, you know, you name it. I tried to sell it. I've tried to do it and fell flat on my face. And hey, you just pick yourself up and keep going. And how, I mean, how silly would it be for a medical doctor to be like, ah, man, I tried it for six months. It didn't work. I didn't become a doctor in six months. So I'm just going to give up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That first surgery didn't go good. <laughs> Why would he give up? It's, it takes longer than that. You know what I'm saying? It takes you time. You before then and you get a splash uh, early. That's good. You know what I mean? But I really wouldn't expect it to be that way. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. That That's so true. It's And entrepreneurship is just like that. Like any one of those careers, like you said, an athlete, a high-level career, doctor, lawyer, whatever. I mean, it takes years to really perfect this craft. And what I love about it, man, as an entrepreneur is like... There's no age limit on this. You know, as you get older, you, you can still keep going with this. There's no... It's too late for me. I'm I'm 35. I, I can't start the business. You know, I'm too old. Nobody should think like that. You know, there's time for everybody. No, I agree. So let's we we we've talked about all these different ideas, a lot of good advice. Now it's time for you to let everybody know how they can check out your website, your product, so they can see the product and support and get behind you because you've been here for five. We're going to see you here for the next 50, 100 years and, and this business just keep on going. You know what I mean? So how can they yeah, support thank you? you. Um, we only sell on our website and a little bit on Amazon. Um, the, the website is tallyandtwine.com That's T-A-L-L-E-Y A-N-D T-W-I-N-E dot com we're also Tally and Twine on uh, Instagram and Facebook. There it is. Simple as that. And don't forget, go back, check out wh- where that name came from. I love that story, Randy. Hey, just want to say, no, no, thank you, man. Thank you for coming on, sharing a little bit of your story, sharing this advice with these new entrepreneurs and just even entrepreneurs that have been in the game for a minute, man. These are great reminders for us and really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. We know you're busy. So thank you for joining us on the show today. Appreciate you for having me. It's a pleasure speaking with you. And now it's time for this week's segment of The Gentleman's News. Exclusive interviews with exceptional people discussing all things gentlemen. From business to fashion to lifestyle, industry leaders, authors, and more. This is The Gentleman's News. Hey guys, welcome back to the interview portion of the show. This is uh, my favorite part of the show because we get to introduce you to new content creators or business owners. And today we have somebody on the line that Dennis and myself, we we both really respect. And it's a really great guy. I think you're going to enjoy this interview. And hear more what he has in store because he's got a lot to offer. Who I'm talking about is Sir Michael Wayne. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And nice to have you on the show, Mr. Sir Michael Wayne. Um, you know, I've been following you for a while and uh, it's a pleasure, my man. You seem like a very chill, honest gentleman. Uh, family man so I'm excited to have you on board brother and hopefully get to use this platform to kind of talk about some of the things you got going on man besides 
you know, besides looking status on Instagram, tell us a little bit of not so many words what you got going on and what's in the future for yourself. Got you. Got you. Got you. Well, thanks for having me, man. Um, so, yeah, other than uh, just looking stylish, I, um, I sell and design premium custom menswear for men on an individual client basis. Um, so, you know, you can find me through Instagram and I, you know, live in the Bay Area, California. So that's the day job um, as a wardrobe consultant, as a made to measure and custom clothier specialist. Um, that's how I pay the bills. Uh, hobbies, you know, really all kind of revolve around the same things. Uh, writing poetry, writing short film narratives and fashion photography are kind of things that I really love and love to spend my time doing. Um, and I, I approach all of the work from a very artistic perspective. Uh, so I'm kind of working on a book that encapsulates fashion photography and um, short form narrative poetry. Man, that's an interesting concept, that mashup of those two worlds. Now, in doing that, let me ask you, how is this book going to be different? Um, I have a lot of different coffee table books, menswear books, mm -hmm. and uh, generally, you know, you just kind of flip through and there's just picture after picture and you kind of can get inspired, maybe take an idea or two from what you see. But it sounds like your book is going to go a little bit deeper. Is, is that the case? Um, well, that's a good question for sure. Um, and I think it'll resonate with different people in different ways. Um, so I, I, don't, I couldn't say it'll go deeper, but what I am excited about the book is that it will be different for sure. Um, the photography is going to be done by one photographer opposed to several different ones. It'll also be one central model with myself and it's also wrapped around the idea of being one man's wardrobe which is pretty different from a collection of different clothes styled by different people um gathered by different um um sponsors and, and kind of brand over different people and different wardrobes um so that's kind of one aspect of it but then it won't it also won't be um editorialized with any um hyper brand promotion so for instance you won't see a page that says this jacket is a wool jacket made by such and such and it costs this much paired with the pants that cost this much it's more um around what the poetry of the of the book is and how it speaks to what the picture is but but it, it almost might not even directly match but that's almost what I love of it it's, it's an art piece that you can own for a lifetime um, with really great literature and and equally as impressive uh, fashion photography oh that's pretty great um, I want to ask you something about the first thing you, we talked about that you're working on I know you're, um, I guess, a fashion consultant, and um, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that, and how did that come about? Is that something you always wanted to do? Because uh, I know for myself, I've been into fashion, man, since for the longest, man, since watching my dad put his shoes on, put his shoes on, mm -hmm. something that's always been in me. You seem like a very passionate guy, man. I respect mm -hmm. that about you, so let the audience know a little bit about um, how'd you come about, you know, getting into this line of work. Uh, it's a good question. Um, I, I I think it started after choosing that um, a career in the theater just didn't provide the kind of income that I needed. Um, and while I was kind of in my in my uh, last kind of theater theatrical production, I was thinking like, what career could I really stick my teeth into? Um, I had always really loved getting dressed in the, I, in the, you know, fashion kind of part of, about life and just style in general. So I was like, all right, get a job, you know, in retail. Um, I got a job at a, at a place and, you know, I kind of excelled in the suit department, um, opposed to the like sock department or the underwear department. Right. 
I just gravitated towards selling people suits. Um, after that, um, I went to a I went to a photo shoot where a bunch of different stylish people were all there. Um, I met a guy who owned a business, and he was like, "I really like your style, man. I could use some help around the shop." I went to go see what he was talking about. Man, he needed he needed a lot of help around the shop, so <laughs> I worked with him for about seven months. Now, I didn't really get paid well, but it was a lot, a lot of experience, and I got like overworked, which means I learned a whole lot by physical, like put hands-on experience, right? I learned a whole lot hands-on experience. And then after that, I left, got a different job, spent a year there, different job, spent a year there, and kept finding my way to more skills and more knowledge about designing men's clothing and um, measuring and fitting men's clothing. Right, right. I like the yeah, I like the fact that you got that hands-on experience. A lot of people undervalue that. You know, everybody wants to get paid. They want to make money quick, and the fact yeah. that you get to learn on the job, man. Sometimes that's the best way to really go about it. Oh man, it was so important because it was it was a company that on paper was really impressive and really successful, but in the office it was before I got there it was two people. <laughs> when I got there, it became three people. And so the idea that like this brand, this company was a really cool company and kind of kind of successful from, you know, an investor standpoint, and a, a brand standpoint. But in the office, like I sat right next to the guy, <laughs> to the other guy who did everything and next to the other guy who did everything. So it was really... It was funny in a way that, like, I did so much that I wasn't qualified for, wasn't ready to do, didn't know how to do, but I couldn't have gotten that experience anywhere else. You know, like, I really, no one, no one even since then has given me the chance to just do things I don't already know how to do, right? Like, in this world, people want you to prove what you can do, and they want to let you do what you can't do. They don't want to let you try to do what you don't know how to do. So so you're absolutely right. I learned so, so much. And although I left because I didn't get paid enough, I definitely don't. Um, I don't like hate on that experience or even shun or put negative energy on those people. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. So, I mean, in times like this, you know, with, with the stuff that's going on, yeah, yeah. Virus, you know. Um, what do you think about the whole aspect of kind of like us? You know, we use social media as a platform, you know, to not only get mm-hmm. what we want, but work towards what we want. I know Richard mm-hmm. does a great job of using his social media platform to connect with his customers and audience. So, Very true. I want you to kind of like tell me, how do you feel about this? What are some of the challenges as far as, you know, not being able to get out there as much as you, as you can? And um, yeah, you know, how do you feel about it? Well, um, that's that's the that's the big question. I'd say um, I feel a sense of uh, surrendering, right? Like I, I I surrender to the fact that it's what's best, and we're all kind of in unison. I am responding to it, you know, from a business perspective. The business that I work with, um, the business that I do with the company that I work with is a very digitally native company. And so we have a lot of tools to run virtual appointments. We have a lot of tools to purchase online vouchers that uh, are redeemable until the end of the year, right? So you can take advantage of an offer this month, but... You don't have to finalize that order or come in and get your fitting done or come in and get your measurements taken until the end of the year. So, you know, that's in light of, you know, COVID-19 situation going on. Um, So, you know, I I like the fact that we can still do our business um, somewhat at about a 50% kind of rate that we have been doing it. Um, And then 
from the from the social content side of things, I think it's really really important uh, for artists at any time in life in society, but especially at the times of society change to create, document, and um, and hope, right, and inspire. Um, so. You know, if, if you have a stockpile of images, you know, you're the lucky one because you can continue to just put out stuff and share stuff and share stuff. Um, if you don't, you have to get creative with finding ways around your, you know, local um, area to produce content. Um, but then even, and then even the live video chat and just making those go public and, and sharing those. Um, yeah, it's important like it's really important to continue to share and create yeah now real quick man um one second rich off off the topic i kind of like to ask this you know what are some of the things that you're doing man, to keep yourself busy paying i mean people want to know people that don't know you personally i just see pictures of you you know sometimes mm-hmm. it's good to let them let them inside and see what's going on with your life mm-hmm. i just want to know how you spend the time and and are you taking care of yourself and you still trying yeah, to get out yeah. there and be fresh? Well, thank you. Uh, that's a good question. Um, actually, the only time I go outside seriously is to get groceries. Um, and the fridge is only so big, so you can't, you know, stock so, so much stuff. So that's really the only time I go outside. Uh, don't tell Richard that, man. He went. He, he's doing the thirty month, the thirty day thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mini prepper, man. I have a pretty nice size uh, front driveway area with a gate, so I can like walk and pace with the front uh, concrete yard, kinda. And then we have some nice back parking lot shed space as well. So um, I kind of like pace those two areas when I just want to get breather and walk around but man tangible things that i'm doing a uh, 2k20 is my jam uh <laughs> 2k20 my career is my jam so that's taking up some good time um i read i read i love to read books um i love to put on music in the background and have a blank uh page open on my computer and just kind of right with my fingers move into the rhythm right and sometimes good stuff comes out sometimes nothing comes out sometimes i pause the music and continue to write so i'm a writer i'm a reader and i'm a basketball gamer i oh, love it man yeah see that people didn't know this about you man so yeah <laughs> Yeah, and then movies galore, man. Movies galore. I can watch a hundred. Oh movies. yeah, man. So let me ask you a question. Yeah, what do you prefer for these things, man? You prefer just regular movies, series, or documentary? Uh, that's a good question. I guess in in, in, in that you said regular movies, series. As far as just a one-time movie, I guess you know an hour and fifty minutes, which is have a full series where yes. you have like about ten episodes. You know, compared okay, to no, one, yeah, I prefer the series. Yeah, the series sucked like, me in, man. I love I love series. That's, that's my gem. Yeah, I'm into the series too. I'm with you, Dennis. You're a series guy? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay, well then in, in those three categories, man, I'm a movies guy, man. I I and I think it's because You're one and done then. Yeah, yeah, man, one and done, you know. I, I even like a series of movies opposed to a series of TV shows or series of episodes. Um you know, to be quite honest, the only series I've really liked in a long, long time is Black Mirror, with the exception of, you know, a few fun ones. Like, Black Mirror was the really only series yep. show that I really liked, um, because it's more of short films. Like, each episode is more of a short film. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, but, but, I, but I love movies because, remember growing up in a time where you had to catch the series on TV, and they would string you along through a whole week, yo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was no apps back then, so it was hard. You couldn't, right? You couldn't find out what happened till next week. So I just really grew into loving movies in that kind of century period. I like to see a story begin. I like to see a story end in about an hour and a half to two hours. But I can't go through this whole. I got to take two and three days to watch this thing. <laughs> <laughs> see it end. 
Yeah, man. Um, the funny thing, I pick up this vibe off you, and I get it. Uh, after having a conversation with you and then seeing your pictures, <laughs> this is gonna be my final question. I'm thinking like, man, you kind of yeah. remind me of like a Renaissance man, a modern day Renaissance man, you know. Yeah. Um, and and right. I get I get that with the style too, man. Your style is not your what you see traditionally from somebody in your age category based in the U.S. You kind of have a, even in no, you got an international vintage style, man. Like you walked out of maybe the '60s out of Europe, man. Where, <laughs> Where's that come from? Yeah, um, I think you hit it. You hit it on the. You hit the nail on the head. Um, it comes out of a love and a romance for my people in that time period. Um, my people being the collection and the diaspora of Black people. Um, during the late 1800s and early 1900s, man, Black people. I think recognized that they were a worldly and a global people, but also through the art that was created and through the books that were read, there was a, there was global pride and a global style to, you know, to people really, not even to black people, but just to people. Yes. And black people were a part of that. Um, so to, for me, I really, really hooked onto that at a, at a young age. And over time, I've become more comfortable with gravitating towards that specific look, but still modernizing it because I am a young man born in, you know, a hip hop era, you know, so I can't live a without the throwback, jer- without the throwback jerseys, right? Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, let's you make know, sure we, 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 we get that out of the way. Yeah, oh, my attitude and my kind of, you know, relevancy is definitely now. But the look that I'm trying to perfect, Rich, you hit it, you hit it on the, you hit the nail on the head, man. That's, that's the look that I romanticize for sure. Well, man, I could respect that because I'm exactly the same way. I like to reinvent myself all the time. I just want to, I'm yeah, a that situation guy, man. I love Western. <laughs> and somewhat, you know, vintage military look. So I'm with you on that one. That's something that I respect. And I try to portray, man, as far as it comes natural to me because it's something I've been in love with for a while. So that's all, that's pretty much all the movies I watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So check this out, man. Yeah, no, no. What I want to do now is just, I want to invite, you know, Michael back on the show again and continue the conversation because I want to hear more about this book. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can get into, man. You're like an onion, man. There's a lot of layers. Maybe we can peel back, you know? (laughs) But uh, if people just want to see this style that we're describing, because right now, you know, it's an audio platform and people are just hearing us and they're like, all right, wait, I want to see what this looks like. All right, I, I, I'm hearing this guy. I'm captivated. How can we follow you? How can we check you out and uh, keep in touch? Uh, thank you for asking. It's a great question. Um, the most, you know, clear way is to follow me on Instagram at Sir Michael Wayne. That's uh, S-I-R underscore Michael Wayne. Um, and that's kind of the simplest way. Um, my 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 artistic aspirations are to produce a book and um, continue content creating in a short film and short content creative creative kind of way. So that's kind of my jam right now, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Now, real quick, Mister Michael, um, one more thing, brother. It won't be long. Where's one piece, man? Whether it be accessories, clothing, hats, whatever, man. Watches yeah. that you can't live without, man. One, one, uh, one. Okay, that I can't live without. Uh, wow. 
Well, that's hard, man, because I'm, I'm a fantasy guy. So for me, it's the whole package. The whole package? But, okay. yeah. But, but I will answer that question in this way, that I could live without... I could live with one suit, one coat, one hat, and one wow. decent pair of shoes. If I didn't own any other clothes to step out in, and that was it, right? If, if everything else was just t-shirt and underwear, <laughs> that would be enough. I'd trade that in for 10 pair of uh, uh, sweatpants and basketball shorts. Like, I would trade that in. There you go, Richard. The famous question we always get is, uh, what's the first item should I buy, man, if I want to be stylish? Mr. Michael said a suit. The first way to go. I agree with this gentleman. How do you feel about that, Rich? Makes perfect sense. Classic suit. It's going to last forever. And if you do it right, it's going to be a timeless style. I know Sir Michael Wayne would do it in a classic way. So, guys out there, take note. Way too, right? (laughs) Definitely, definitely. All right, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure having you come on. And and don't forget, everybody listening, this won't be the last time. So stay tuned for more. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. So glad you could join us. I really hope you enjoyed these interviews as much as I did. I learned a lot. I took a lot of notes myself, and I'm actually inspired to do more and keep pushing forward in business and really just in life, trying to be the best that I possibly could be. And that's what this show is really about. So special thank you once again to our guest today. We look forward to another great episode coming up in the next few weeks. And if you have a story that you want to tell on the show, reach out, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, guys, until next time, take care.